The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Leadership today is more than just a position in an organization. It's also a mix of proven practices that produce results. Welcome to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. Our program will bring you the how and why of successfully led businesses or organizations with not-for-profit goals and how you can apply the Adesis Methodology and make it work for you. Now, here is Dr. Ishak Adesis. Okay. Hello, 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 hello. We have a new segment today. It's not a show, really. It's a lecture sharing with you my experiences as a management consultant, sharing the experiences of Adidas Institute. We work in 52 countries around the world. It's companies from startups all the way to some of the largest on earth in the Fortune 50 worldwide. So we accumulate a lot of experience and a lot of examples which we share among ourselves. We're constantly learning and perfecting the methodology better and better, how to manage change, how to give the tools to companies to achieve exceptional results fastest and without destructive conflict. Harnessing constructive conflict, creating and nurturing a climate of mutual trust and respect, etc., 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 etc. I don't want to turn this show into a commercial, so I'm stopping. But you're most welcome to look at our website at www.thesis.com. So, what is the subject today? And again, I'm asking you to please write to me so I know that somebody is listening to this program. Write to me to ichak at adesis.com. Today I'm going to continue with this management myth. As I was saying in the previous previous week, what is right and what's wrong? We're not talking about values, which are absolute. But what's right and what's wrong to do in terms of the tools we use depends on the conditions we are facing. And the conditions depend on one of the conditions is where we are in the life cycle and organizations, depending on the life cycle, will require different treatments. What's right for a baby is not right for an old person. So we should not have absolutes. Many of the books on management ignore life cycles and they come with absolutes. And those absolute tools can be dangerous because they do not apply to you because you might be in a different stage of the life cycle. It is uh, one that does not depend on the life cycle. <laughs> that is true for all stages of the life cycle. And it is when you read about marketing and sales should work hand in hand. And they should be very well aligned. And they should be 
Notru. Here is what I mean by Notru. Whenever I go to a company and I see an organization chart, Vice President for Sales and Marketing, I get worried. Why? Because the company does not have marketing. Does not have the role of marketing. What do you mean they don't have the role of marketing? Here it is, the whole box there called marketing. You know, company very large, I won't tell you the name, because in the Fortune 50, that 80 people, 80,000 people in marketing. 80,000 people in marketing. I have news for you, that zero people in marketing. These were all salespeople called marketing. You have to be very careful because people give names to make it look good, but in reality it is not. Like you go to a bank, any loan officer is vice president. How can it be a vice president? Well, because you don't want to talk to anybody. You want to talk to a vice president to get a loan. So anybody that gives a loan is called the vice president. Watch out because the title, the name, the, the brand might not reflect the function. What is marketing and what is sales? And how should they work? Marketing should deal with the long run, with what is happening out there. Marketing research, finding out what is changing, how the market needs changing, and market equals needs. There is no market when there are no needs, and whenever there are needs, there is a market. So you have to look at the market changing. What does it mean? You have to look at what, how are the needs changing? How, who are the clients? How are the needs are changing? Are there new clients? Are there new needs? What is changing out there? That is the focus of market, on change. And they have to come back with the marketing plan or a marketing strategy, which is what? How to handle the change. What should we do to our product line? What should we do to the component of the product, which is the service should increase, or should the quality increase, or should the deal on the conditions, the pricing change, or should we change our promotion and strategic alliances? How should we connect to the market? It is an entrepreneurial function. It's a think function. It's a dream function. It's an analytical function. Sales is a P function. Go do it. Get somebody to sign on the dotted line and to buy. This is a do it function. The difference between marketing and sales is analogous to the difference between engineering, product development, technology, and production. Pure manufacturing. In manufacturing, you want maximum banks for minimum bucks. You want get it done, fast, cheap, well, done, finished. Linear thinking. When you're doing new product development, you, you cannot force it into linear thinking. You're exploring, you're thinking, you're analyzing. There is uncertainty, there is risk. In production, there is no certainty and should be no risk. Just do it. So marketing is different from sales. Sales should be now oriented. I want to sell now. I don't want you to promise me that you'll buy it next year. Now. 
We need a result now. Assessment should provide results now. What did you do for me today? I've been thinking, think tomorrow. What have you done for me today? That's sales. And what is marketing? Think. Come with ideas. Tell me what's happening there. It is much more intellectual oriented. Now what happens when you put the creative element and the do it element together? When you put short term and long term under the same vice president? Vice president for sales and marketing. What could happen and most probably will happen? Sales orientation will win and marketing orientation will suffer. Why? Because the future has not happened yet. Analysis is not good enough. You cannot buy bread and bring food to the table with analysis. Sales brings results, brings money, something you can measure, something you can recognize. So what is happening? The short term will undermine the long term. If I'm a vice president of sales and marketing, what do I get a reward for? For thinking or for producing results and bringing revenues in? Obviously for bringing revenues in. So what's going to suffer? The thinking. That you're going to do after working hours. Whenever I see a company with marketing assets under the same vice president, you know what it means? There is no marketing. It's called marketing, but there is no marketing. What are they doing? They're doing sales support. Little brochures, trade shows, uh, analysis of market, of sales results, uh, questionnaires about client satisfaction. You know what? They're not causing change. They're not driving sales. They're supporting sales. That's why they're not called, I, 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 they're really, they're not marketing. They're not doing the function of marketing, they're doing the function of sales support and cold marketing. Do not have the two together under the same vice president. But if I have two different vice presidents, one for marketing, strategic planning, and the other guys for sales and client support and help desk or whatever, is there going to be a conflict between the two? You bet and we want it. Why? Because marketing should be constantly saying, we need to change, we need to change, we need to improve, this is what we need to do. And sales should say, hold a second, don't change too much because you're creating havoc in the business and in the market, I cannot produce when you're constantly changing. Who is right? Both are. Who decides what to do? That's what we have a president for. Listen to both sides and needs to decide. What is the cost, what is the value? Higher. Long term versus short term and make a decision. That's a well-run company. You want to have conflict between the right parties to be resolved at the right place. That is how it should be run. Do not avoid conflict. Do not integrate sales and marketing under the same vice president so that you as a president have less conflict to deal with. You're abdicating your responsibilities. You're not doing the job right. Why can't the vice president decide? Because he has to go one way or another, long or short. If he is entrepreneurial oriented, he's going to favor marketing at the cost of sales. 
If it's sales-oriented, it's going to undermine marketing. When you're the president, when you're green, when you're profit-oriented, now I have a measurement by which I'm going to make a decision what's important, long or short. When I'm just cost-oriented, when it's sales and marketing, I, have more, I don't have the same tools to make the judgment between the two. I hope this is clear. If not, read my books or call me up or write me up. Let's take a break and come back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The Adesis Management Methodology increases the speed at which organizations are able to implement change and solve their problems. The methodology introduces an innovative process, culture, and system that allow organizations to achieve dramatic growth in both revenue and profits. Build your success from within. Adesis Management Methodology is delivered by the Adesis Institute with offices worldwide. Introducing a new management paradigm. Visit www.adesis.com for the Adesis Institute today. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Adesis Speakers Bureau can present the Adesis methodology and its approach to harnessing the power of change to your top management team. The presentations, either in person or via a live video hookup, can be delivered in a two-, four-, or six-hour format. Participants can derive immediate benefit from the material and put their new knowledge to use right away. For luncheons, corporate retreats, and strategic planning meetings presented in a variety of languages, visit www.adesis.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. If you have a question or comment about the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to yolanda at adesis.com, spelled A like America, D like Denmark, I like Israel, Z like in Zambia, E like in Ecuador, and S like Spain. Now, back to the program. There is another myth, and it's especially true. It doesn't rely, relate to the life cycle. Some of these myths are related to life cycle. Some of them are not. They're just simply misunderstanding the managerial process or worse, going for what's easy, what's comfortable, and not doing what is right and maybe difficult. Even counterintuitive. See, management is not only what's intuitive. You have to, there is a science behind it. There is an art behind it. There are rules behind it, and you have to follow them. And that's what I'm trying to teach you. Here's a myth. As a manager, we would like 
our people to beat the budget, to spend less than what the budget is, and to earn more than what the budget is. And we actually reward this kind of behavior. So if you do better than the budget, a bravo, you can be even promoted. Tell me how you reward people, and I will tell you how they're going to behave. Because people are intelligent animals. Tell me what you reward me, and I'll tell you I'm going to behave. I'm going to behave in a way that I'm going to get rewarded. So if you're rewarding, beating the budget, doing better than what the budget is, guess what? That's what I'm going to aim for, to beat the budget. And there is a way to beat the budget, aim low, be conservative, fight for the low numbers, so that you can then beat the budget and get your bonus and recognition. And now what happens? A climate of mistrust develops in the company. The subordinate says, or whatever, the vice president says, here's my budget, that is how much I can sell, this is how much money I have to spend. And what happens? They underestimate sales, overestimate expenses, so that they can beat the profit numbers. Now their boss knows that that's what they're doing, you know? That they're building a security blanket there, a pillow, in order to be sure to beat the budget. So what are they going to do? They're going to pressure them to change the numbers. No, you can do better than that. You should achieve more than that. And you should not spend so much. Cut the expenses so much and increase your revenue so much. Now the subordinate knows that that's what the boss is going to do. So they try to fight for even a bigger number so when they get cut, they don't cut so much, they leave something around anyway. Oh my God. No trust. No respect. And what's happening? We are rewarding those people that can lie the best. Those people that can manipulate the best. Those people that are smart enough to make good arguments in favor of what they want rather than what's good for the company. Very bad. In a Disney methodology, the dictum is too good is as bad as too bad. If somebody earned in the budget 30% more profits than the budget, I claim it is as if he lost 30% of the budget. It is the same thing for me. Too good is as bad as too bad. Why? Because it means we don't know what we are doing. We are lying to each other. We are not aiming high. We are not stretching. My recommendation is that your budget, you sorry, your reward system should not be around the budget. No. It's not for how well you achieve the budget. Do not do the reward system on that. Because you're encouraging people to lie, to cheat, and to hide information. What should it be? Like, a, like rewarding a salesman. Give them a commission. Give them a percentage of the actual profits they achieved. And now the budgeting purpose is to maximize profit, no, optimize profitability, increase profitability. And then the budgeting, there is no reason to cheat. There is no reason to go into these negotiations back and forth, 
how much can you sell and how much can you spend. I'm giving you the real number I'm going to aim for because the bigger are my profits, the more percentage I get is my bonus. And you know what? That is what counts. Not how you beat the budget, but what are your actual results in reality. Like you give a commission to a salesman. Did you sell? It is your commission. Not how much you promised versus what you actually did. Because I'm not interested in the disparity between budget and reality. I'm interested in reality. I like companies that budget in such a way that they always achieve a little bit below the goal. Not above the goal, below the goal. They're 5% off. You know what it shows me? They aimed. They stretched. They did their best they can. Okay, so they almost achieved the horizon and they missed it maybe by a little bit. I want companies to stretch themselves, not to aim low and then overdo it. That is a wrong way to do budgeting. And next myth, after the break. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Learn about applying the ADESIS methodology in your organization's decision-making process. Our comprehensive training programs include a three-day introduction to the ADESIS methodology, Breakthrough to Prime, and Leading Highly Effective Teams, a detailed seven-day seminar. The seminars are valuable for corporate leaders, key executives, and others involved in the decision-making process. Our trainings are available around the world and in multiple languages. For more information about these and other training programs available, please visit adesis.com. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Join the Adesis Graduate School for online master's and Ph.D. programs. Get involved with in-depth research into how change can be managed on many levels across disciplines and cultures worldwide. The clinical programs train practitioners with methods that have been used with exceptional results by certified Adesis associates and clients for decades. Core concepts include the proven adesis theory and spiral dynamics, an emerging theory of human social evolution. For more information, go to adesisgraduateschool.org. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. If you have a question or comment about the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to yolanda at adesis.com, spelled A like America, D like Denmark, I like Israel, Z like in Zambia, E like in Ecuador, and S like Spain. Now, back to the program. 
what's the next uh, myth? What the next thing that people believe is the right thing to do when it turns out not to be the right thing to do? Just imagine a company with a lot of cash. Wow. Dream, huh? Dream come through. Very secure. Lots of cash in the bank. They feel good about it. Look, look at, at, at Apple. They have more money in the treasury than the United States government has. I mean, unbelievable, eh? Is that a good sign? Is that a good sign? I think for a startup, it's a good sign. <laughs> because startups are suffering from lack of cash. So having cash, that shows maybe, you know, that they're secure, they can do the development that they need to do in order to grow healthy. Like a baby that's born with a silver spoon in their mouth. How nice, how comfortable, eh? But what happens when the company is bigger and older and having a lot of cash in the bank? It could be, not necessarily so, but it could be a sign of what? Lack of taking risk. Lack of entrepreneurial spirit. They are risk averse. They accumulate cash, not by intent, but by lack of aggressive behavior. I found out companies that are in the aging stages of the life cycle, they are as liquid as a fish. I had more than one experience when the CFO at the board meeting or the executive committee meeting says, we have $300 million in cash and any suggestions or plans or strategic plans of what we should do with that money. Holy cow. What did they get $300 million in cash? Well, because they're not growing. They are milking the cow. They are not changing direction. They're not innovating. They're not exploring. They are profit-oriented, cash flow-oriented, and collecting cash, period. That would be a sign of aging. Is it a sign of aging for Apple? I would say no. It is really the byproduct of their growth, but I'm going to wait and you know reserve my judgment to see what they do with that money. I know that they're now trying to give dividends. That's good. They're going to maybe buy some of the stock back. That's okay and they should use it for their expansion and innovation, which they are very good at anyway. So, what is right and what's wrong depends where we are on the life cycle, depends what does it serve a function. Is there a good reason why that is happening? And that you use common sense. Another myth is consistent managerial style. You know, a person is consistent, predictable, is not uh, unpredictable, which is very dangerous. Good or bad? Well, it depends, again, on the life cycle. Look, guys, we need to change our parenting style, depending how old are our children. You don't treat a baby as if it is an adult, and God forbid you baby an adult child. 
it will not work. So your parenting style changes as a child is growing. And there is a stage when they're already adults and left the house, maybe have their own families. You have to shut up, let them run their own life. Beware even of making recommendations. What's happening? You have done your job, now they're on their own. There is no more for you to do. You have to be now a grandparent, supportive grandparent, keeping the family together. Don't try to run the family. But you cannot do that when the child is a baby, isn't it? There you have to be very involved. You have to be very strict. You have to be loving and strict. You have to tell the child what to do and what not to do. You're raising a child. When your child is already 40 years old and married, you're not raising them anymore. You've done your job, let them go. So you can see how our style of parenting has to change as our, 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 our descendants grow and change too. And the same thing applies for raising a company. I consider raising a company like raising a child. How you manage it is to change, your style is to change depending where it is in the life cycle. For an infant organization, you have to be strong, you have to be involved, you have to be hands-on, you cannot delegate, you should not delegate, it's too early. You have to do it all because you are setting the pattern of the future. You are experimenting to find out what is right and what works so that you can repeat it. Highly involved autocratic style is desirable at that stage. Now the same behavior when you get to the next stage, which is go-go, and the company is going leaps and bounds. If you behave the same way, that's no good. Why? Because now you are arrogant. You don't listen to anybody. You make moves that could be premature. You believe that you're, you know, immortal, like a baby trying to jump from the window. So autocratic, strong, opinionated management, which is desired and functional in infancy, becomes dysfunctional, undesirable in go-go. Here you have to be now more participative. You have to listen more. You have to control yourself more. You have to have some boundaries more. What happens in adolescence? Wow, there is a transition here. Organization is changing. Now you have to allow other people to help you make the changes. You have to change the climate, the structure, the reward system, the direction, the strategy of the company. Major disruptive changes. You cannot do them alone. Can you bring somebody to help you make the transition? They have succession planning in place. Totally different personality style, different managerial style. In prime, you should decentralize. You should create new babies. You have to bring new talent, managerial, leadership talent to run the company. So you're not alone. Don't try to do it all by yourself. Next stage, when you're aging, what do you need? Entrepreneurship. What else to do, what not less to do. And the next stage, when you're going and losing market share, having a negative cash flow, you need somebody who is tough, who can cut, 
who has less emotions and is there to do what needs to be done to save the company, is not afraid to do surgery. Please realize, totally different styles. So if you are the long distance runner, if you are a manager who is taking the company for the long run, maybe you are the only owner and you have to run it by yourself, if you cannot change your style, you're going to kill the company. You need to either change your style or you have to bring new people with different style, the right style for what the company is in the life cycle, at every stage of the life cycle. So the myth, flexibility, predictability, is the right style is wrong. It depends where you are on the life cycle. Is there any other one, any other myth? Well, let's cover one more before we go to a break. Oh, my God. <laughs> ah, I've seen this more than once. The company has not enough information. Company is going too fast. They don't have the information. Management complains, we don't know what's going on. So what do they suggest? We need a computer. <laughs> so what's happening now? They computerize their ignorance faster. Computer is a how vehicle. Before you improve the how, before you do it faster, you have to define the what you want and why you want it. Do it first design the information by yourself, maybe even manually, and then computerize it. Be very careful from premature computerization. And then if you're going to computerize information, watch it. Is your structure right? I've seen too many companies bring computer systems, ERP or whatever it is, and the structure is wrong. Now what's happening? We are processing information faster, but people that are going to react to it are not accountable or not responsible for it, and we don't know who is responsible, so that information doesn't get used and just lost in space. Information has to reflect the organization structure, have to mirror the organization structure. It's like the flow of water through the river banks. If you want to know how it flows, you better know how the river is designed. Now you know how it's going to flow. So you have to direct the flow. Otherwise, it goes into a swamp. It gets lost. What am I telling you is, here is a formula. Your mission strategy has to be reflected in the structure that drives the information, that drives the reward system. Mission strategy, structure, information, and rewards must be aligned. If any of these items is misaligned with the others, you have a mess. You have a problem. It will not work. Don't computerize until the information is synchronized with the structure and strategy and the reward system. Now you should take that information and computerize it. It must be right timing in the right sequence. Oh, we have one more. We have one more. The most important one, as a matter of fact, before the break. And it is structure and strategy. 
I covered it in my previous sessions, but I want to repeat it now because it's a myth that needs to be dealt with. If you hire a consultant, the top executives, new top executives, they're going to say, what are the goals? Okay, if these are the goals, if this is the strategy, how do we structure to achieve these goals and strategy? That's at the best. <laughs> Many of them do. <laughs> so give me the goals, give me the strategy, and they don't look at the structure. And they, want, they don't understand what execution of decisions is not working. Hmm. Because they want to fly with a submarine, that's why. The structure does not reflect the goals, does not reflect the, func- the, the structure, the form does not reflect the function the purpose of the organization. You want to be sure that it does, but not good enough. That structure needs information in order to make decisions. Otherwise, we have only data. We have a lot of data, but no information. People cannot take decisions. In order to take decisions, the information or the data is to be structured to enable them to take decisions. You know, that reminds me of marketing research. Uh, sorry if I'm taking you sideways now, but we have two minutes time before the next break. So I think we can discuss that. It was a, an insight that really surprised me when I was a student, when the professor of marketing told us, don't just go there and do marketing research. You should have a hypothesis. And then the marketing research is to prove the hypothesis or disapprove it. What does it mean? You should have a question mark for your marketing research. Should this be done or not? Now do marketing research to get information. What's happening? You're looking for information in order for take, to take a decision. So what you're researching, what information you're accumulating is specifically so you can make a decision. It's not an exploration trip. Accumulating information, then you don't know what to do about it. That's a waste of money. It has to be focused so you can make a decision. It, you're searching for information, you're seeking information so that you can take a decision. Okay? So be sure that the, that the formula, strategy, structure, information, and reward systems are aligned. Let's take a break before we go to the next set of meetings. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Ishak Adesis is one of the leading management experts in the world. He has written 14 books that address the challenges facing top management. Books by Dr. Adesis can be found in 24 languages. They can be purchased at the Adesis store at www.adesis.com or on Amazon.com. Electronic versions are now available for three of the books with more to come. 
These books reflect over 40 years of study in the fields of management and organizational change. Pick up a copy of one of the books for yourself or as a gift today. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Top Leaf is a turnkey management development curriculum that consists of a set of 20 to 30 minute videos presented by Dr. Ishak Adesis, creator of the methodology and founder of the Adesis Institute. The Adesis methodology is considered by many to be a solid foundation for all organizational development. The Top Leaf curriculum is made up of three programs. Top Leaf can be used by individuals, by organizations, and by trainers and consultants looking for new content to offer their clients. For more information about Top Leaf, visit www.adesis.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. If you have a question or comment about the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to yolanda at adesis.com, spelled A like America, D like Denmark, I like Israel, Z like in Zambia, E like in Ecuador, and S like Spain. Now, back to the program. And what I started telling you, and I did not finish in the previous presentation before the break, is that structure cannot follow strategy, although they should be aligned. And I covered it last week or two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, whatever it was, I forgot now, that it has to be back and forth. It's an interactive process. It's like having chicken and egg. In order to do a good structure, you need a strategy so that it reflects the strategy. But uh, if the strategy is designed with a present organization structure, with a present allocation of powers or how the powers are located throughout the organization, you're going to find out that the strategy that's going to be implemented is not the one that was designed, but the one that the power structure accepts. So it's going to, you know, that you're going to get a camel, although you design the horse. Because people protect their chairs, they protect their power base. So what's happening? You design one strategy, you implement something else, which is because of the present organization structure. So what does it mean? The structure impacts strategy. And strategy impacts structure. They're interdependent. How to deal with it? I covered in the previous show, the previous lecture. I'm not going to get into it here, but be sure the myth is that structure follows strategy. Not true. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Not true. Very often, the strategy follows structure. Tell me the structure and I will tell you the strategy. And in the last segment, I even gave you an example of a cartoon to make this point where you have a boat and uh, a biking boat on one side of the boat rowing the boat are skinny little, probably slaves. On the other side of the boat are big, husky, muscled Vikings rowing the boat. 
And one captain says to the other, I don't know where we are going around in circles. Do you see that? The strategy is driven by the structure. Tell me the power structure of the company and I will tell you which way the company is going. What strategy it is really implementing, not what it is broadcasting, not what it wants to have, but what it actually does. So you have to look at both of them back and forth until you align them. Oh boy. Next myth. Clients come to us and say, Dr. Adizes or Adizes Institute, we need a reward system. Our reward system does not work. People are not motivated. Usually we tell them, fine, we'll discuss it next year. They get annoyed. What do you mean next year? We need it now. Say so that's the last part in the therapy, in the process, in the change. It is not the first one. If I can be vulgar, and I apologize to those of you who might get offended, but I say putting a cherry on the pile of crap does not make it a cherry pie. It is still a crap, pile of crap, just with a cherry at the top. So doing a reward system on a company that's badly structured, that the structure is not aligned with strategy, that doesn't have the right information, that has uh, 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 that it, the, the wrong governance structure and decision-making process. Then we have a reward system in that kind of a crap. Guys, you, you, you can have it, but you're going to pay much more than what you should. Why? You have to pay the people to stay in the company and overcome their frustrations. See, if I'm going to be frustrated, if I'm unhappy in the company, you better pay me a lot of money for me to stay here and work. So the more disorganized the company is, the more they have to pay the people to be there. And what does it happen to profitability? It's not strange that the company is not profitable, maybe even going bankrupt. The results are not good and they're overpaying. When the company is well managed, there is vision, there are goals, People are empowered to fulfill their goals. There is communication, there is mutual trust and respect. Money is not that important. They need some money in order to survive, they need to bring to the family, that's true. But the pressure to earn more is not there. They will be willing to work for normal pay rather than overpay in order to stay. What is a what am I trying to tell you here? Beware how you design the reward system. You might make some reward systems in the short run. It is to alleviate some problems, to alleviate the revolution, to alleviate breakdown in the company. But remember, it's a release. It's not a solution. Reward system should be the last thing to do, not the first thing to do in a company. You can do some Band-Aid in the meantime, but remember, nothing more permanent than continuous temporary. You make a temporary decision, you don't change it, and it becomes permanent, becomes a habit, becomes a policy in the company. Next thing about rewards. Even if you design it right, after that the company is well managed, so it's a cherry on the pie. Remember, there is no reward system that is optimal 
and it will survive the long run. There is none. At least I don't know it. Why? Because you cannot design a reward system that motivates everything you want to motivate. So there are always holes that the reward system does not address. And you know what might happen? People ignore those holes. They don't deal with these holes. They don't deal with these items. And what's happening? The company might be getting in trouble because of the reward system. Now we have to change the reward system and refocus it on these holes, on the weaknesses. But now new holes develop. What does it really mean? I strongly recommend changing, adapting, aligning, improving the reward system every three years, no later. Don't have a permanent reward system forever. Has to change. So when you have a contract with your people to work, there is a reward system that you give them when you contract them, say good for three years. Then we'll have to rediscuss it. As the KPIs change, so should the reward system. As the strategy changes, structure changes, information changes, so should the reward system change. That is about rewards. Any other myth? Oh boy. I look at an organization chart of an aging company and I see reporting to the president somebody with a title of strategic planner. Is that good or bad? On one hand, it looks good. Why? Because funny as somebody was sitting there and thinking and dreaming and bringing suggestions of what the changes the company should be making in the long run, what acquisitions they should make, what investors should it make, or what new market they should get in. I mean, this is not marketing. Marketing in a large company is product marketing or a market segment marketing. This is strategic planning when we talk about what we are talking about. Holistic, total, business plan, business models, business direction. Is it good or bad? I said be very careful. It can be bad. It's a bad sign for the company. Why? Because you cannot make a submarine fly by appointing a pilot to look through the periscope. The company is an aging company, risk averse. The people behavior is very bureaucratic. Everything is forbidden unless specifically permitted. And what is specifically for permitted is shrinking less and less. And there is no forum to discuss what's permitted. So everything is forbidden and you're scared to step out of your boundaries, out of your zone, because it's probably forbidden and you'll be reprimanded. Stay within the line. Don't make waves. This is an aging company. And now because they're aging and not changing, they hire somebody to be strategic planner. Poor guy. He's spending time studying the market, studying the technology, looking at the finances, coming with strategic recommendations what the company should do. And what happens? Very little, although he gets an applause. Why very little? because the power structure is entrenched. The power structure is happy with what, might be happy with what they're doing. They're all milking the cow, making the money. The company is not growing or not changing. 
we all become prisoners of our real, realized dream, which is profits. We achieved a very good profitability. And we're prisoners of the people that are just joined the company. And all that they want is a secure place to give them the reward they want. And that's it. So now what's happening? The company is not changing. The company is not growing. And eventually it will get into trouble. So the prime will get into trouble. What do you need? The strategic planner should not plan. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The role of planning in the company should be to see to it that the company is planning. To see to it that every division is doing the planning. Every profit center is doing the planning. If you plan for them, you absorb them of the need to plan. Then they wait for you to pull the rabbit out of the hat for them to agree if they like rabbits or not. You are dead. They will not agree, or if they agree, they will do nothing about it. Why? Because they don't own it. The role of planning in a company is not to plan, but to see to it that planning is occurring throughout the organization. Totally different approach. Thus, I don't like to see corporate planning under the president unless they're doing what I just told you now. Seeing to it that planning occurs. Let's take one more myth before we close for today. Oh, what will that be? Ah, oh, yeah. People, leaders are born. Leaders are born. So why the hell are we developing leaders? Oh, no, 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 no. They have the talent. We just need to nourish it. We have to develop it. But you cannot take somebody who is not born a leader and make him a leader. Mm. It's probably true, depends how you define leader. If you are defining a leader as somebody who is flamboyant, creative, charismatic, good communicator, mobilizer of people, I agree. It's tough to take somebody who is a cold fish and make him an eagle. It's not going to happen. And if you look at my blogs, which I have, ah, I'm claiming that that behavior is driven by some physiological characteristics. And you're born with those characteristics and very difficult to change them. I don't, I'm not so sure they should be changed. So the guy who is a charismatic, flamboyant, ADD, is not going to be the quiet, uh, listening, uh, reserved, uh, 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 sleepy guy. No way. They are different from each other and there is nothing you can do to change them. And no chemicals, no psychochemicals are going to help you. They are what they are. So what does it mean leaders? What does it mean leaders? I'm claiming to you that everybody can be a leader Everybody is a leader, whether it is functional or not, depends where you are in the life cycle, back to the life cycle. You need a leader that is maybe administratively oriented, organized, linear, detail oriented. You will not be a leader in a Google company. <laughs> they will usually shun away from him. 
they will consider him to be a bureaucrat, which is blocking the company's advancement. But in advanced stages of the life cycle, you need somebody like this to stabilize a company, to organize a company, because it's hyperventilating. It's going crazy. You need somebody to put it in order. As a matter of fact, you know what's going to happen? When the founder hyperventilates, <laughs> it becomes an unguided missile, he's probably going to be fired, and the financial guy with an administrative type is going to be appointed. So he was not a leader until the founder is fired and now he becomes a leader. We are all leaders depending on the situation that calls for our leadership style. So don't worry. We are all great. Depends whether the conditions give a space for our greatness to be expressed. Talk to you next week. All the best. Thank you very much. Thank you again for joining us this week for Adesis Methodology for Collaborative Management for Exceptional Results with Dr. Ishak Adesis. Please tune in again next Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy your weekend and a successful week. Music